Hey there, welcome to Cageless, a conversation podcast about experiential wisdom and personal hope. I'm Jenny Johnson. I'm a writer, and I'm asking experts, thought leaders, and my friends to share their knowledge and tools on how they found freedom. Welcome to season one. Today, we have a very special guest, my dear friend. Um, I feel like I should be doing a drum roll, honestly. Kelly Peacock is a Brooklyn-based writer, poet, and influencer. She manages social media for Sister Sides Thought Catalog and is releasing her first book this spring, 2022. Hi, Miss Kelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh. Of course. I'm honored. Yes. You are um, in New York right now. Yes. Currently in Brooklyn. Yep. How did you end up in Brooklyn, New York, of all places? I have always wanted to live in New York. It just was something I had dreamed up for myself when I was in college. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And then I was like, well, I'm a writer and I really want to move to New York. How am I going to do that? And like, live sustainable like as a writer you don't move to like that's what people do but it's like it's hard to live there and make a living as a writer and it was also really hard to like being in college like learning what types of writing jobs there were and I was like well what am I going to do in New York but my the college I went to had a train on campus so I was always taking NJ Transit into the city to like visit people or just to hang out by myself. Um, and then when I graduated college, um, that was like in May of 2018, I think. And then that November, I moved into my first Brooklyn apartment with some friends. It was it was weird. It was uh, kind of a difficult conversation to have with my parents too, because I was like, I have to move to New York in order to get a job. Right. Like, because certain places wouldn't hire unless you were living there. And they were like, that literally, what? And I'm like, nope, trust me, it, that's how it works. So I was applying for jobs and I was working at this like little shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn for like a couple weeks. And then by the universe's doing, I got a job at Thought Catalog. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm writing in New York, like it was just, it was the craziest. Well, it's it's the coolest thing. You you're talking to your your parents, and anyone who's in their twenties can understand. Yeah. First of all, like this economy, the way that jobs work, things are so tricky. Most of us can't um, buy a house now. Yeah. Things trust in general when it ter- when it comes to terms of like the adult landscape is so difficult, especially for creatives. So you say that you like tried to explain this like trust dichotomy with your parents. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Where where are your parents at? Um I born and raised in New Jersey, South Jersey, like closer to Philly. Um so I'm not that far from the city. So it wasn't like super dramatic for me to be like, oh my God, I'm moving to New York. Like I have to do this. And my parents be like, no. But I think they were nervous because they were like lovingly, you're a writer. (laughs) They didn't know at the time, like what you could do to make money as a writer. Like they didn't know that they like, it was just kind of like, are you going to write a book? And like, 
like, I got a lot of questions for some reason from people being like, oh, are you going to be like a journalist? I'm like, no. If people find a lot of comfort in labels, I have found, especially in terms of vocational, you know, like whatever you're doing for your job. How have you learned to like find that confidence in yourself and being like, I am a writer. This is my yeah. job. My job isn't, you know, a way to like just like make money like a nine to five transactional thing like have you always had that confidence in yourself to be like I'm a writer this is who I am oh absolutely not I like I I mean I've always considered myself an aspiring writer that was like the label Mm. that I put on myself and then I read a quote once that was like stop calling yourself like an aspiring writer like If you write, you are a writer. By definition, imposter syndrome is so real. I think especially for women. I mean, a conversation between two writers. If you go back to Louisa May Alcott, Emily Dickinson, some of the the earlier like American poets, uh, writers who identify as female, they didn't have the opportunity to step into their identity as a writer, even though like, you know, however many years later, there's some of the greats, right? People that we look up to. And I still think even in 2022, we have so far to go because it's so difficult for women to own up space, especially in something that's so abstract as being of being a creative. I actually like found a photo recently of me – little old Kelly, I don't even know how old I was, maybe like seven or eight. And I'm like typing on this really old Mac computer with like these thick keys. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. But I'm like, I know for a fact I was writing a story, quote unquote. I would write stories and I would never finish them. And I definitely reached a point when I was in like maybe early college that I was like, okay, I like writing, but I can't write stories. Like I can't finish them. I can't like develop them for it to make sense the way that like all these amazing writers do. Like I just felt there's something off with the writing. And it wasn't until college that like I had the first, I guess, heartbreak of my life with the boy. Yeah, And I had a friend that was writing and I was like, well, let me try and do this. Cause I used to write things and like, I just started reading poetry and like, I was taking poetry classes and like, I just kind of like kept writing the bad poems and then just worked through them and kept rewriting them and rewriting them all because of one simple little heartbreak in college that <laughs> inspired me to. Something in me in college just like switched that was like, let's try writing a poem instead, which is so much better than like writing stories for me. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to finish this. Where like, as a poem, your poems can be unfinished because that's kind of the metaphor of the poem in a way. Like if you're writing about like certain relationships that like, didn't finish or like ended badly or whatever you can literally just write it in that way and it just makes sense when the poem writes you (laughs) like when art imitates life when life imitates art yeah I also really love that in your brain something just kind of switched that was like 
I, I've had this experience in life and then I'm going to let it reflect in my work because there are a lot of people that don't um, don't choose to go that route. It's much easier to write um, in the broad sense or talking about someone else. You know, the entire tension between fiction and nonfiction is such such interesting lines. But with poetry, it's um, – have you watched Dickinson on Apple TV? No, but I saw a video last night and someone was talking about it and I was like, should I add that to my list? Holy moly, Kelly, you have to. Okay. Which like our dear patron saint, Miss Emily Dickinson. There was a scene that she is like reading to um, a group of people uh, because uh, they're like having a going away party for a guy who's about to go off to war. And he was like, will you read some of your poetry to me to like inspire me? Like, will you perform this for the room? And I'm kind of like, can you imagine today in today's world that like if we had the opportunity to share verbally with one another and be respected back? Because I can only – I think of poetry so much in the aspect of lyrics that, you know, musicians are deeply respected. Mm-hmm. Also, um, when when you can't say something, it's much easier to write it or sing it or put it in art. Yeah. But like when you verbally confront someone or like verbally talk about it, it makes things much scarier. And for mm-hmm. some reason, it makes things much more vulnerable. Yeah. So I love that you found that that vulnerability, even though it was kind of like scarred in you to exert that into work. Um, and now you are putting out a book, an mm-hmm. entire, you know, collection of poetry yeah. about things that have deeply affected you. How the heck, for all of our listeners and for myself, how the heck did you find um, find that in you to be like, I'm going to be so vulnerable, I am fully going to show up on pages that are never <laughs> going to go away? Because you can delete an Instagram post. <laughs> You, you can't delete a book. So I was actually talking to my therapist about it last week that I – this whole time of me writing and publishing my poems on Instagram, I've limited what I've put out. Like I'm very particular about the certain poems that I want to post because it, I don't want – it sounds so bad, but it's like I don't want people to overthink this subject of the poem and be like, is this like, if I post a poem about like an ex, even though I'm in like a happy, healthy, loving relationship now, like, I don't want someone to be like, is this about, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This was like a really terrible guy, like a few years ago. And I'm very comfortable with like being vulnerable and like talking about my emotions and my feelings. I cry every day, but there was something in me that I don't know. It just hit me the other day. That was like, my book's going to be out. I can't control what people are reading. Like, I don't have a problem being vulnerable, but like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a little nervous now. Right. It's it's such a particular type of vulnerability. Yeah, exactly. Because I am like just giving people certain things and then I'm like, wait, you're getting the stuff that I haven't shared Oh, I'm nervous now. <laughs> because it's like as a writer, it's your job to be vulnerable. So it's like yeah. it's so interesting that we almost have like a, a two different like – it's like, oh, like writer Kelly versus like in-person Kelly mm-hmm. has to like have two different sets of vulnerability armor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your branding and your – you know, yeah. everyone cares what everyone thinks on the internet. But even I have found that like super fans of like – 
any type of musician or person or whatever, it's like at the end of the day, you're probably still going to care about yourself more than you care about the other person. And it's just about showing up like, like the butterfly effect, right? Like you can't, you can't control what other people think. You just have to fully authentically show up as yourself. Mm -hmm. And in your work, I know that words that you have written have helped me process that. Why is this going to make me cry right now? Words that you have written have helped me process things that I couldn't put words to. So that makes me happy. I think that that in of itself, I mean, obviously you have a college degree and, you know, English and all of those things. It's like, yeah, like that makes you a writer or like having a job title somewhere and getting paid to do certain things makes you a writer. But like what makes you a writer is is taking up space in this world Mm -hmm. and existing – I, I I stray away from the word loud, just existing, just taking up the space. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Um, backtracking a little bit, ha- up to that point in college, before like you know, really like the floodgates opened, and you were like, I can't help but to write a poem. Um, what has been the most difficult subject for you? Because like like we were saying, like pain's easy because it pours out, right? Yeah. What's been the most difficult subject for you to write about? I think, I don't know, there's, there's two things that come to mind when it comes to like, what has been the most difficult for me to write about. And one is my healing and like the trauma. And then another one is like a certain person Mm. um, and a certain relationship. Like I've noticed a lot of my poems are just kind of like, I'm basically saying you're healing. You're still going to be healing for the rest of your life probably. And like, that's okay. Yeah, it sucks. You're going to have to face it, blah, blah, blah. Like point blank, that's it. Mm -hmm. And like, that is difficult to write sometimes, but at the same time, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of easy because I'm just like, I do have to face my trauma in order to kind of write certain poems. Right. But I think the hardest thing for me to write lyrically in a way is just writing about a certain relationship because it's like I have the pain I have like the inspiration I have like an idea of what I want the poem to say but I can't put it into words when a writer is speechless (laughs) yeah I have so many notebooks in my bedroom of like just oh my gosh the pages are just scribbled and like words are crossed out and it's just like a mess but there's like, I'll read a poem or I'll listen to a song and I like like some phrases they use or like even just like basic words like fire escape or like pavement or something. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. And it's like, you like the word pavement? And I'm like, yes, because I can use it in a poem, like in a weird way. But like, I remember in college, I was writing my thesis, um, which was a collection of poems. And it was only like, seven to 30 poems. So it wasn't that many, but it was difficult because I was the only poet in my major Mm. in my graduating class. Like as a senior, I was the only poet. So in the thesis class, everyone was together and they would talk about their work with each other and everything. And like, I wasn't allowed in the class because like, I'm not a fiction writer. I'm not a screenplay writer. Like I'm not going to read your writing. You're not going to read my writing. So I would work one-on-one with the poetry professor on campus, um, which was really great because I kind of had just 
like I didn't really have class so he would just kind of he would I would give him like five poems a week or something like that and he'd like go through and like he's an incredible writer he would go through and be like I love the way you did this I don't love the way you did this just go back and like there was a coffee shop on campus that I would just spend hours at and I would just go through the poems be like how can I make this better what can I do like it is just like it's frustrating and like sometimes I have to put myself in a sad mood in order to edit those sad poems like I can't just be like okay I'm gonna edit some poems today like I'm super happy and like whatever it's a great day because then I go into it and I like don't feel attached to the poem enough to like work on it so I have to listen to that I literally just made a playlist on Spotify yesterday called doing it for the poems and it's just a bunch of sad songs that like just trigger some pain in me so that when I do go back to certain poems I'm like okay I'm in the feels I can edit yeah so what uh what do those boundaries look like for you because like you say that you you've like created playlists like you allow yourself to get into that space how do you get yourself out um I don't know to be honest like sometimes I'll write certain poems and I will listen to the songs and I do find myself crying and then I'm like I can't write this poem anymore I'm just gonna like curl up in a ball and cry and then I'll like watch something that makes me happy and then I get over it and then other times like I found myself at coffee shops and I'm editing and listening to these sad songs and whatever and then once I finish the poem and I take my headphones out I just like I flip a switch and it's like, it doesn't, I don't have to develop myself out of it the way that I do with certain poems. I think it just kind of like, okay, I, I was in the moment and now I'm out and Mm. that's it. And it's fine. But it also depends on maybe the subject matter. Right. I think. Right. I, I also think that when it comes to writing, you because it's like I'm never not a writer I can be not typing anything or writing anything on a page but I'm still a writer I'm still working yeah in my head all of the time mm-hmm. and so being able to like stop and and say like this is personal me versus like this is the me that others get to see is such a hard hard thing to decipher because especially in a world where things are so performative and it's like oh I could put out this poem or put out this thought and maybe get some applause for it or maybe it could help someone else or maybe I could make some money off of it. But like I wasn't put on this earth just to make money Mm -hmm. or just to like exert all of my creativity. Like some of it is just for me and some of it is just for like the person that you're you're writing to, um, which is an entirely different conversation about like muses and like (laughs) relationships with your subject. But going back to um, relationships in general, who do you feel has influenced you most in terms of your poetry? Um, I think there's there's certain relationships that I'm like, wow, you really had an impact on me. And like, it's so interesting to look back Mm -hmm. at those relationships and see how differently they were impacted me it wasn't like oh yeah I'm writing these poems because all these guys cheated or something they didn't but like or they ghosted or whatever like there was something so heavy and significant with each person that I was like this is a lot for one person of my sensitivity level to handle um yeah it's 
it's it's a lot. Have you always been comfortable calling yourself a sensitive person? Um, at first, no, because you know it's like, oh, oh, she's a woman, she's sensitive, like, ooh, like there's some sort of negative stereotype around it, and then absolutely, I don't know, just as I got more comfortable writing my poems and like putting them on social media and just being like, you know what? Yeah, I am very sensitive. And like, I'm going to own that because that's who I am. I'm, I'm not going to hide that part of myself. Like, right. I'd rather be sensitive than be cold. Yeah. And vulnerability for a very long time has been painted as weakness, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in women. Yeah. But vulnerability is actually the strongest thing that you can do, mm-hmm. right? It's laying yourself out in front of other people and showing up fully. Mm-hmm. It's saying, I'm here and these these are this is how I feel. And I don't actually really care. Well, we all care. I don't <laughs> yeah. actually really care what you think. Yeah. Um, because this is just who I am and the way that you perceive me doesn't change that. Yeah. If you don't lay it all out there, like who will? Like who yeah. – who else is going to own up your your experience in this life? Mm-hmm. And the more that all of us can continue to own up to our experiences, I think all of us are going to feel a lot less alone. Yeah. Um, I agree. You say now you are in a healthy, happy relationship. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, poetry, your your brand of poetry is, is known to be about – heartbreak and pain and hurting and love. Um, Mm -hmm. What is it like to not be in a relationship that inspires and like evokes that like pain, hurt part? Um, How, how have you dealt with that? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, it's really hard. (laughs) Like I, I remember in college when I was writing my thesis and we, I talked with my professor and we were gonna kind of set up the thesis into three parts so like one was like loving someone in a toxic relationship or whatever and then like being heartbroken and like kind of healing from that and then the third part was gonna be like loving myself and being happy or whatever and I was like I don't know how to write that I have so many like my thesis was pretty much finished with all the sad heartbroken poems and he was like you kind of need like maybe three more quote happy poems and I was like I can't do that for you like this is really hard for me like yes I am happy and I'm loving myself learning love myself and I'm feeling good I'm out of these relationships but I cannot get myself to write a happy poem and like there's even a couple poems in my book where I straight up write like writing a poem about someone you love is hard. Like even if it's good and like happy and healthy, it's just like, he is a poem. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what else to say. Like I always thought love was like this big grand gesture kind of thing. Like in the movies, like, Oh, I'm going to confess my love to you now. Like, and so looking at those past relationships, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of wanted these men who treated me badly to do these grand gestures of like an apology or like, I love you or whatever. Mm. And obviously I never got those. And there, I have a poem in my book um, where it starts off and I'm like, the first time he told me he loved me, I was in the kitchen peeling sweet potatoes, which is exactly what 
had happened, um, it, I just kind of developed that, like, love doesn't have to be these grand gestures sort of things. Like I'm, I'm in this happy, healthy relationship and like, we're moving at our own pace. Like we, it feels safe and comfortable. And like, it's, it's interesting that I can't write these happy poems. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I'm just like in the moment of these happy feelings that I'm like, yes, I'm paying attention to them, but not in a way that like, I need to write it down and like write a poem about it. Whereas like, something that an ex said to me that was really hurtful like that is ingrained in my brain for years probably which is why I'm able to write poems about it well yeah and also you know when when you're writing a poem about pain or hurt and and there's there, there's science behind you know humans tend to uh remember things that hurt them more than they remember things that don't mm -hmm. um which I don't have the grounds to speak on that on the scientific level but I, I do think that there is something to be said for the cliche of living in the moment and like yeah. being able to hold people in places sacred in you and just allow them to be because whenever you're feeling pain and like someone hurts you, it's almost like, you know, the, the metaphor of blood. Like it like mm -hmm. just, just pours out, right? Yeah. But like when you're healthy and you're safe, you don't need to go anywhere. Like yeah. you don't need to exert any type of, you know – literary blood yeah. on anything because it's like oh i'm i'm safe with this person and uh, and i think that also comes with like maturity and growth and i am personally not in a monogamous relationship with anyone but myself but i have found that the more the more that you can be comfortable with you the more that you are going to be comfortable with like the work that you're exerting. And it's yeah. like you don't have to push yourself to write a happy poem about yeah. this person that you love because you know that they – you know that you love them and they love you. And that's so sacred. Absolutely. I love that you are at a place um, where you are about to put out a entire book <laughs> about being <laughs> about being heartbroken. Um yeah. And it's almost like a finished circle, kind of like your thesis that like now this is the end and this is where I'm at. Oh, and now all of the things are coming out that that have I've been working through with my therapist and with myself. And mm -hmm. it's almost like the grand finale was never this like exhale of any sort of like this person finally gets to see what I think about them or this feels like such like a sweet victory. It's like, oh, no. The victory is like the peace that I feel. The victory is like the journey that I've been on. Yeah. Coming out with this book is that closure of those past relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, here are all the poems and that's it. It's in this little book, tie it with a bow. That's it. We're done. I mean, not actually done with it because I'm already starting my second book. And there are poems about certain people from the first book. Um but they just keep coming. They just, the poems keep coming, which is great. But yeah, it is just kind of like a sense of closure from that heartache and healing journey. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. It <laughs> is a lot. And wow, thank you. Thank you for for showing up in your work and showing up today on Cageless because I can't think of a better example of someone who has completely allowed their feelings to be out in the open and outside of their chest. Um, all of our listeners here on Cageless, 
Kelly, can you tell us where we can find all of this wonderful work we've been talking about in abstract? <laughs> yes. Um, so some of the poems I post are on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is Kelly A. Peacock on both. And then my book, um, you can find it at shopcatalog.com. Yeah, so I am very active on Instagram and TikTok, so feel free to say hi because I'll probably say hi back. (laughs) She sure will. Guys, you do not want to miss out on this book. Please read it. Please cry with it. Please hold it. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on to Cageless today. And the final question uh, that we ask our guest is if you could tell your younger self anything, what would you tell her? I think just it's okay. Just like everything's going to be okay. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to feel. It'll take time to heal whatever you're working through, but it's okay. Just forgive yourself for how long it might take. And you might, you might be hard on yourself. Um, Don't (laughs) try not to be, but just forgive yourself if you are and just let yourself take that time and, just it's gonna be okay everything's gonna be fine everything is gonna be all right yeah uh thank you so much for joining us and make sure to pre-order her book give us the title give us the pitch it is called somewhere in between and it is for anyone who is somewhere in between their heartache and their healing and their loving and everything in between and aren't we all Aren't we all? Yes. Thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Cageless. We will see you next time. If you learned anything or enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and review our show. I would love nothing more than to hear your thoughts and topics that you're excited to dig deeper into. Tag me on TikTok. Shoot me a message on Instagram. They're linked in the show notes. And don't forget to be kind to yourself today.